0: Proverbs chapter 4, so uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 as kind of our jumping off point, and then we're going to be all over the book of Proverbs. This is one of those sermons where you want to keep your finger in the Bible, okay, because we're going to be all throughout the book. If you'd like to stand, you sure can. We're going to read a little portion, then we're going to pray, and we'll get started. Hear, O sons of fathers, instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Father, help us. God, you're a perfect father in every way. You're a good, good father. You've been faithful. You've been a good provider. You've been wise. You've given us truth and life and you've sacrificed for us god you're a perfect and good father god we're we're not perfect parents um god which is why we need you god we we need your word we need your your spirit we need your truth we need to be obedient to you and and how we how we raise our kids and the way we think about children and so father please help us today Uh, Make this useful to us, Father. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. As a dad on uh, Father's Day, I'm I'm super grateful for two things, okay? So uh, first of all, I am grateful for my wife. I am grateful for moms. Uh, I'm grateful for moms because, I don't know about you other dads, but uh, when we had our first baby, I just kind of assumed that my wife would know what to do, and she did. Isn't that amazing? Like, like I don't know how she did, because she didn't have uh, siblings. She didn't have uh, younger brothers or sisters. She really hadn't babysat much. But somehow, intuitively, she just, she just kept them alive. And I just, like, laid all that on her, you know? I remember when we brought our first baby home, Hannah, we brought her home. And I remember just the... What I thought was my big job was the transporting from the hospital to the apartment like that like I remember thinking that like I gotta get them there say we took back streets the whole way, you know so we didn't get on a major road or anything and you got her there and like oh, she'll know what to do and she did like they all lived you know and she fed them and it is awesome, you know uh, Our second baby uh, we, uh, we had less money, uh, we had no doctor. So uh, we had the baby. They were they were just, they were trying to kick us out of the hospital as immediately, you know, uh, like like not long after she had the baby, we didn't get to stay the night, and you know, so they they're like give us this list, you know, these are things that nurses normally do, you know, in the nursery, and you need to do these, you know, and they're like all this stuff, and they were like heavy stuff, like medical stuff, and I was just like. I'm glad my wife will know what to do, you know? Like, I'm glad she'll be able to do this. And so I, I just kind of laid that all, and, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for moms. I'm thankful for wives. I'm thankful for just God's gift of, I think he kind of just, let I don't know, he just does it. God just enables ladies to know how to take care of babies. And and the thing, though, that was heavy on me, okay? So there was something that was heavy on me. There was something that was kind of a weight on me. There was something that was this this responsibility that I I I, I took seriously, and that was, and I'm thankful for this as well I'm thankful that that god God laid on me this responsibility that it was my job to impart spiritual truth to these kids. It was my job to to almost kind of help them see heaven, you know help them see the glory of god that 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 was a weight on me and I remember that first night of bringing Hannah home, and uh we put her in a little suitcase that we had there in our our bedroom in our apartment, and we put a blanket inside the suitcase, and I remember standing over that suitcase and just praying. And I and I remember this specific thought. I remember thinking, how long should I pray? You know, you know, like 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 how long's enough? You know, like like I want to make sure I do this right. You know, I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that God would, you know, uh draw her to himself and open her eyes to spiritual truth. And 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 I just remember, you know, just thinking, man, like how you know well, there there's not there's I can't ever quit, you know, like like this is such a big responsibility. And I hope that dads feel that weight. I think you should feel that weight. You know, there's there's verses in the Bible, Ephesians 6, 4, that says, fathers, bring up your children. Uh, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, Ephesians 6, 4 tells us that. Bring up your kids. Fathers, bring up your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, and, and so it's a command on us. It's a weight on us. And and the thing that I'm, I'm thankful for is the book of Proverbs, you know? Because the book of Proverbs is this Holy Spirit inspiration. Inspired book of a dad communicating wisdom to his son and like wow we've got that like like we got the manual you know like we've got an example we've got like we have a a holy spirit inspired biblical book of the bible that is an example of a father imparting wisdom to a child and so for a guy like me for a dad i'm just like man thank you god for giving us the book of proverbs you know i mean i i know that it, 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 I, i'm commanded to bring my kids up in the discipline and instruction of the lord and, and, and i'm not only my command. I'm I'm to some degree accountable for that. We got to be careful how we think about that because I am not accountable for all of my kids' decisions, for their sin. I'm I'm not accountable for all of that, but I am accountable to warn and to instruct and to confront sin in my kids and to lead them into righteousness. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Eli, and he's a priest, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't warn his, his sons and, and, and this is the, the the verse that always kind of grabs hold of my heart in, in chapter 3 verse 13 of first samuel it says i declare to them uh god is saying this and i declare to him that i'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming god and he did not restrain them he did not restrain them man that's a heavy thing to know this guy Many he it wasn't what he did it's what he didn't do you know that, 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 that God is saying man you you knew better you were a priest you knew the word of God you know you you were uh, one of the leaders spiritual leaders in Israel and you didn't you didn't confront your kids with what you knew and, and so like I take this serious this, this responsibility to impart truth, to our children, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I want to say how. Like, how do I do that? And and that's where the book of Proverbs comes in. This this cherished kind of wisdom manual. And so I want to lead you through just some generic things, basic things, foundational things that we see in the book of Proverbs about imparting wisdom to your children. So first of all, what we see in the book of Proverbs is that fathers are responsible to not only impart wisdom, okay, but listen to this part because this, this this was significant to me. But to plead for wisdom, okay? There's two things there: impart and plead, okay? So if you don't like the word plead, how about try out implore, um, beg, <laughs> beg, beg? Seems a little funny there. So I, I kind of like plead, okay? But but I, but I see both of those in the book of Proverbs. You know, when you ask yourself, what's the main goal of parenting? What's the main goal of parenting? Um, I think you're going to have some people that are going to say, man, it's to get them to adulthood and they're still alive. You know, survive, right? Like they only got a few scars. Whew, you know, I think other people, uh, this is just what I observe in society. I think other people are, I think the goal of parenting is to give the kids as much fun, like uh, fun. Um, enjoyment, success, relaxation, comfort, ease as possible, you know? And I don't know that anybody would say that's their goal, but man, I hear a lot of parents talking about, man, I just want to give my kids this because I never had it. I just want to, I want my kids to have this because I didn't have it. I want my kids to have this because I didn't have it. I want my kids to have, you know? And, and some of that may be okay, but but honestly, I don't think that's the goal of parenting. I don't think the goal of parenting is, man, guys, we're, we're going to have 18 years of really fun times, and then you're going to go out in the world, you know? I I, I don't think that gives justice to what, what your goal is as a parenting. I I think some folks, uh, particularly in our society today, the goal of parenting for them is to affirm Whatever direction their kid wants to go. So it's almost like the kids in the driver's seat, and it's like, it's like well, son, you want, daughter, whatever way you want to go, we're just behind you. We're just behind you. You know, whatever, whatever you choose in life, wherever you want to go, however you want to be, whatever you want to do, we're just behind you. I don't think any of those are the goals of parenting. I, I grew with Tim Keller. I was reading a really cool sermon of his this weekend, and he just comes out right and said, The goal of parented, ter- parenting is to impart wisdom to your kids. It's it's to make them wise, it's to to give them wisdom. And and what we we see is this formula in the book of proverbs that i think reflects that okay so i'm going to read a bunch of verses to you i want you to look for a couple things okay i want you to look for him him imparting instruction pleading okay remember i i want you to pay attention to that pleading for it and then telling his kids about the blessings that will come from it okay so listen for those three things He's going to impart instruction. He's going to plead for it, and he's going to tell them of the blessings. I want you to listen for those three things as I read several verses to you very quickly. Are you ready? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instructions. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they will be a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words Treasure up my commands with you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight and raise your voice to understanding, if you seek it for silver... And search for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Chapter three, verses one and two. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life. And peace they will add to you. Chapter four, verses one through five, the verse we just read. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive. That means pay attention that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son, and with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. And he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Okay, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. My son, be attentive. To my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and that your lips may guard knowledge. Chapter uh, 7, verses 1 and 2 My son, keep my words, treasure up my commands with you, keep my commands and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Chapter seven, verse uh, twenty-four. And now, my sons, oh sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Okay, are, are you getting the picture? We can probably stop there, right? Uh, are you so? So you, you saw several things there, right? You saw a formula, right? So you see him saying, "I'm going to give you wisdom." Okay, but he doesn't just say, "I'm going to give you wisdom." Like someone would say, hey, "I'm going to, I'm going to teach you about changing your oil, boy." You know, he did not just say, "I'm going to, I'm going to give you something." I'm going to give you some knowledge. He says, "I'm going to give it to you," and he says, "I am pleading with you to receive it." I'm pleading. Now I'm describing pleading by did did you hear be attentive incline your ear treasure these things up don't forget them don't forsake them right you, you. so it's not just I'm going to tell you something it's I am pleading with you to hear and receive and listen and never forget these things and then the second part of the formula is because if you will then then there's all those blessings he listed right long life prosperous life happy life you'll be honored great reward all of those things. In other words, he he, he says, I'm going to give you wisdom and I want you to treat my words with incredible value. One of the things that I see dads doing sometimes is you got dads that don't impart any wisdom and then you've got dads that impart some wisdom, but it's almost in this kind of um, selective opinion kind of thing, like, um, like 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 batting, you know? Like we're in softball season, we're just finishing up. And so I told Haven, you know, when you bat, You have your elbow up, and I said, you know, don't put all the weight on your back foot. Just keep this one on, like, on your tiptoe, and then as that ball comes, that's when you want to swing, right? That's what I told her. She goes to softball camp. They're like, get that elbow down, you know? And They're like, you know, get down. You know. I mean, like, like and, and that's fine. We we got a guy in uh, first service. I, I was see, watching his wife's Instagram. His name's Gabe Mauser, and uh, I think he played college ball if I remember right. But Gabe uh, just put a picture of Gabe in on in their batting, and like, no joke. Like, I can't even get my foot this high. His foot is like up here, you know, I, like literally, like, like I don't know if it's karate or bat. But he had a bat, you know, he had a baseball uniform on, you know, and and, and like, so so here's the deal about batting. What's right? Well, it depends on who you talk to, right? So, so like with batting, I'm like, "Well, Haven, this is what I this is what I think, but you know, probably do what your coach tells you. They probably know better than I do." You know? And so, listen. That's not what it's saying in Proverbs. Do you see that? Men of God, you should not a- approach biblical wisdom in that way. You should not approach it as, "Hey, you know, I, I, this is what I kind of think, but you know, whatever your friends think, that's probably right too." You know? Or or you know, that's just my opinion. Man, you don't see that here. You know what you see him doing? You see him almost grabbing his kid's face and saying, listen to me. Incline your ear. Do not forsake what I'm about to tell you. What I'm about to tell you, you've got to remember and you've got to never forget it. This will be life to you. That's exactly what he says, isn't it? This will be life or death to you, son. Like I'm about to tell you something that you've got to hear, and if you forget it, if you don't listen to it, you're going to be harmed the rest of your life. Like that? That's authority, there isn't it? You, you see that, like that? That's that's urgency. That's that's confidence. What I see in Solomon's pleading here is this confidence in what you are giving your children, in, in the value of wisdom. I mean, one of the things that, I, that, that that I think happens with a lot of guys is they don't feel confident in what they're saying. Um, we've talked about this: a man up over and over again. I, I see this in men in America. A lot of men in America kind of recoil from spiritual things. A lot of guys have no problem being in a service like this where there's one guy that's talking up here, right? But like put them in, they they recoil from Sunday school, or small groups or DT groups because like you know what I might I might get called on somebody might ask me what Hezekiah's brother's name is I don't know that you know I don't know it either you know you know like they're like that'll be that'll be terrible right if that, I don't know why it would be but anyway they're like afraid of not seeming competent they tend to gravitate toward areas in which they feel competent you know whether that's mechanics or hunting or sports or whatever like that those are the areas they gravitate to toward here's what I would tell you guys like like nobody feels competent in spiritual things. Here's here's what we got. We've got this, okay? Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen says, "All Scripture, that's what we got. The Bible is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training and righteousness, that the man of God may be." I love it. Competent. He may be competent, equipped for every good work. So, so I, I know you don't feel adequate. I know you feel you don't have the answers. But if you've got a Bible. That is what God is saying, stand upon. And you can take that Bible, and you can, you can come to your kids, and you can say, I, Dad doesn't have all the answers, but I'm telling you, here's what the Bible says. And guys, this is life or death. You've got to listen to this. Please hear me. Hear me. Don't ever forget this. I think, I think guys need to see that is your appointed God authoritatively given place is to impart wisdom to your children and guys you're giving them something so valuable. Like I, I think all all dads want to give their children valuable things, like you want to be able to pass on valuable things. Do you remember where we looked last week in Proverbs? Proverbs 3, verse 13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver. The profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. I mean, the Bible is saying, man, for you to be able to give to your children, wisdom is the most priceless gift. Like, like, give them something incredibly valuable. And so because of that, you have this, this pleading, okay? So, so not only let's not only look at the content of Proverbs, let's look at the way that, that this dad disciples his son. So there's not only this pleading with his son, this is life and death, son. What I'm about to tell you is the word of God. It, it, You've got to hear it. If you ever forget it, if, if you're going you're, you're gonna to suffer for that. If you will remember it, you're going to have life. So there's this pleading. And then there's this repetition. When you read the book of Proverbs, have you noticed that the themes come over? Well, how many times did he say essentially the same thing there in the first seven chapters that I read you? All those verses were the same thing. What 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 do you make of that? Was was Proverbs like me, you know, like like my situation? I'm I'm a, I'm a new dad on the old end of the spectrum, you know, like like the we were playing on the t-ball team, you know, when when Asher starts t-ball, you know, the the other the other parents of the other kids on the team are going to be like in our youth group when I was first came, you know? Like, I'm the old dad, you know? And is that the case here? He's the old dad? So you know what old dads do? They repeat themselves, right, you know? Son, have I ever told you that? So, yes, dad, you yeah, have, you know? I mean, is that, is that what you make of this? I don't make that of this. I, I think it's intentional. When you look at the book of Proverbs, you have themes that are repeated over and over again. Fear the Lord, repeated over and over again. The The, the significance of the words you speak that will be repeated in almost every chapter of Proverbs. The danger of pride, the, the, the need to flee from sexual immorality. You're going to see that over and over and over and over and over. What is the Bible doing? Is it mixed up? Could it not get its thoughts together? No, he's teaching you how to do this. Right? You you, you give them wisdom. You you plead with them to receive it. And then you repeat it again and again and again and again. That relentless repetition of truth says something. You know what it says? It says that you believe what the Bible says here. You believe this really is more valuable than gold. It really is better than silver. Like, Like the very act of doing that again and again and again shows that you get the value that there's a relentless nature to parenting that that you need, okay? Now, let's let's talk content a little bit, okay? So what specifically are dads to impart to their children? So when we think about wisdom, what do we do impart to our children? Well, so if you're here last week, part of that is already answered for us, right? So so Proverbs 1 7 said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? It's the beginning. What does that mean? It's the foundation. What that means is you can't get anywhere in, in the realm of wisdom, unless you fear the Lord. Okay, so last week we talked about the fear of the Lord. We talked about wisdom, and we, we defined wisdom as knowing and loving the heart of God and the truth of God so that, so that you can apply that to the complicated situations of life in a way that pleases God and please, uh, blesses people. But, but we talked about the fear of the Lord as, as knowing God, as seeing His bigness, as marveling at God. Right, the illustration I gave you was Hannah and I on that fourteen thousand foot peak, and there's that thousands of foot drop off, and, and I wanted to see it. We wanted to see it. We wanted to get close, but we got close on our on our knees. We got close on our bellies. Why? Because there, there's a, there's an aspect of respect, okay, for that. And in the same way, that's how you posture approach God. So so the first thing you got to do, dads, is you got to grab your little kids by the by the face, and you got to show them the earnestness of what you're teaching them and then teach them to fear God, okay? How do you teach them to fear God? Well, you teach them to know God, right? So one of the the pivotal verses in our our children's ministry is Psalm 78.4. And in Psalm 78.4, it says, We will not hide them from our children, but we will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He's done. No, no kid is ever going to fear God unless they know who he is, unless they know what he's done, unless they know his glorious deeds, unless they know his wonders. How are they going to know his wonders? You're going to tell them, okay? Now, dads, you can do that however you want, okay? however, However God has gifted you, but it's on you to do it, okay? Now, I would like to be helpful this morning, so can I give you my opinion? Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to give you my opinion. I think that you should, and I I believe this is biblical, and I think I can prove it biblically. Maybe not prove, but I can can give a good case, okay? I think you ought to do that by learning to tell stories, okay? Now, Now, here would be my biblical case for that. In the Old Testament, every time God did something great, remember what he had him do? him stack up a bunch of rocks right and what did he tell him he said stack up a bunch of rocks make that monument so that when you in days to come when you're traveling through this area and your kid says dad what's that stack of rocks and you're gonna tell them the story you're gonna tell them what God did here okay so I, I, I see this biblical model of learn to tell your kids the glorious deeds of what God has done right and so I I really believe dad's you know if, if I was doing a, a young dad uh, workshop I, I would I would have a session on Stories. All right, learn to tell stories. I think you should actually just learn to tell stories. Stories captivate kids' imagination. They they, they learn the kids learn to listen to you when you tell stories. So when we first got our little guy, um, he bath time was not good. Like like we tried it the first time. You know, it's all good until the hair and face get wet, and then it's MMA, right? So like I I tried to take that over, help my wife out a little bit. And um, what I found was I needed to engage him in a story. And so we had a whole series of stories that were still going on this day about bears, okay? Now, they always start with whatever happened in our life that day incorporated into a bear story. So it goes something like this. So there's these two boys, Asher and Cale, and they were walking in the woods you know, and they were having a good time. They had a ball they were throwing together. And all of a sudden, they found this berry bush. It had these huge red berries on it. You know, at this time, I'm soaping up the head, right? You know, huge red berries on it. And, oh, they were eating those berries. And, oh, it was so good. It was like peanut butter and jelly, you know, in a bush. I mean, it was just fantastic. And it was running down their mouth. They were getting all sticky, and they were poking at each other and playing around. And all of a sudden crash, 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 you know, through the woods, and the bushes are knocking down, the trees are coming down, and the eyes got ribbon. and then I dip his head in the water, start watch. see, at this point, he's locked in, you know, he doesn't care what I'm doing, you know, you know, and, and then I always, in some way, he saves the day, you know, in some way, like he pulls out his slingshot, or he pulls out his drone, you know, I mean, in some way, like he saves the day, right, like Asher's the hero, you know, in the story, here's what that does, and again, I'm just giving you my opinion, it locks kids kids into, my dad's going to tell me a story. I want to listen, right? So then after bath time, you know what happens? We transition into bedtime, right? We get out of bedtime, let me tell you a story about a guy named David. You know, he's like, oh, I'm in, man, I'm in. Tell me this deal, you know? This guy named David, he goes to see his brothers. You know, you guys, would will be like you going to see Haddon. And Haddon's at war. He's got a sword, you know? And then there's this giant, right? And you tell him a story, and at the end of the story, what happens? God is a champion, right? God is the hero. God enables David to slay Goliath. And guess what, buddy? There's a bigger champion coming. You see, this story teaches about Jesus. And nothing can feed, defeat Jesus, not even death, right? Now go to sleep, you know? Right? There it is, right? See, what are you doing? You're teaching them to fear the Lord, right? You're teaching them to fear the Lord, and, and and you make it important. Like like, what are you gonna have happen? You're gonna have you start the story, and he's squirreling around, wanting to get his turtle out. And hey, hey, buddy, we are telling stories about Jesus now. This is life and death. You got to listen to this, right? This is important. Listen to your dad's instruction. Okay so, so so you teach them the fear of the Lord and then and then always connecting it to Jesus right? That, that, I think that's important. that's why Colossians 2 last week we, we learned that uh, Colossians 2 and this is verses three and four talks about uh, the full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, right? And so, so you start out teaching them to fear the Lord, teaching them about what God has done and what, what he will do and his stories and his glorious deeds, right? And dad, you may be thinking, man, I don't know any of those stories. We have a Jesus storybook Bible here at church we will give you. They're all in there, okay? Not all of them, but enough to get you started, okay? Come get it, it's free, we'll give it to you. It's written beautifully. You'll learn them pretty soon and just start being able to tell them yourself, okay? Like this, this is important, be able to do it, okay? But then, then you transition into what, what Solomon transitions into into is as the kids get bigger, now you start to take those those principles of wisdom that are in the book of Proverbs, those principles of purity and holiness and righteousness, and you start applying them to everyday life situations, right? Man, if you had a dad who did this, you are blessed, okay. If you had a dad who did what I'm about to show you, then I want you to tell me that on the way out, okay? Because because I I want to high five your dad someday, all right? Because this this is incredibly valuable, okay. So here's here's what Solomon teaches us to do, okay. So here's what he does with his son. So he takes a he takes a he takes a situation like purity, okay. Now, what if you're a dad? This is not wrong. I just don't think it's. I think God's teaching us to do better, okay. But what if your dad's like, "Hey, son, you going out tonight? Yeah, dad." Alright, you'd be a good kid, okay? Got that, Dad. You bet. All right. See ya. Good talk. Right? Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a dad who's trying. It's awesome. But what what I want to pitch to you is Proverbs is teaching you some more skills, okay? Listen how this dad does it. Hey, son, you going out tonight? Yeah, dad. Hey, let me tell you a story, son. It's verse six. At the window of my house, I have looked through the lattice and I've seen among the simple. I perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart, She's loud. She's wayward. Her feet don't stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, at every corner, she lies in wait and she seizes him. About this time, boy's eyes are getting big. She kisses him. This beautiful, scantily clad woman grabs hold of you, son, and kisses you. With bold face, she says to him, I'd offer sacrifices today. Today I paid my vows, I'm a church girl. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. Boy, I've, I've been looking for you. I've been wanting you. And I found you. Hey, I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill with love till morning. Let us delight. I won't read the rest. You can read the rest at home. You know where Solomon goes with that? tells that story, gets him hooked. He says, this is what I saw. And then he ends it with, that's the way of death. Those who go down that path, they're affected forever, son. That'll lead you to do things that you'll have scars in your life the rest of your days. In fact, that could could multiply into wrong decision after wrong decision and absolutely ruin your life, possibly get you killed and ruin your eternity. Now, listen, if you had a dad that did that, you're blessed. I would suspect that most of us did not. I would expect most of us had the other version. Hey, you going out? All right. Be good. Don't get in trouble. I ain't picking you up from jail, boy. Right? Something like that, you know? But you know what's infinitely more valuable? What's infinitely more valuable is to take those truths and to say, son, this is what you're liable to meet tonight. Hey, look, I, I, I want you to know. I want you to know that drugs and alcohol can hurt your life, son. And, and let me tell you what's liable to happen. You're liable to be cruising around tonight after the ball game, and I don't know who you'll have in your car with you. You know, it, it perhaps you'll have one of your buddies get in, oh, oh, so-and-so from down the street. You know I like him a lot, but what if he has a friend? And what if that friend gets in, and what if that friend has a duffel bag, and you're driving around, and, and that guy goes, hey, guys, look what I got. How are you going to handle that? You know what you're going to feel? You're going to feel pressure. You're going to feel like you don't want to be the weak one. You're going to feel like to, to be strong and to be a man is to do this other thing. But, son, I'm, I'm telling you, here. you see what I'm saying? Like, like that is valuable. Man, here, here's a father that's saying, I'm not only going to impart wisdom to you, but I'm going to take that wisdom. I'm going to show you in this situation of life, this is liable to happen. Here's the way of, here's the way of life. Here's the way of death. And, son, I am pleading with you. I love you. I do not want you to die. I want you to live. And not just live physically. I want you to really live. Folks, God has called fathers to be the imparters of wisdom. Now, this is why it's such a big deal. When, when a dad tells his son or his daughter, hey, pick up your toys, this is why it's such a big deal. When a mom tells her son or daughter, hey, pick up your toys, this is why it's a big deal that they pick up their toys, okay? Now, let's, let's all just be honest for a second. Is it really a big deal that the toys are picked up? It's not. I'm just giving my opinion. It's not. What if you got toys on your floor? I don't know, you know? I don't know. I, I, you'll step on them maybe. Maybe. You break a hip. I don't know. I mean, that could happen, I guess. But is it, is it really that big a deal that the toys are picked up? I don't know that it's a big deal or not, but here's what is a big deal. If you tell your son to pick them up, that's a big deal. You know why? Because you want to train them. Do you, do you see what this guy's training his son? He's saying, my words are life. My words are, 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 are prosperity and, and beauty and holiness. You've got to listen to my words. And, and that's why it's a big deal to train our kids to listen to the words that we speak. Okay? Not, not only on, on on just matters of, of moral purity and, and truth and wisdom and all that, but just in general, trajectory. Okay? One of the other things what we see in, in the book of Proverbs is that we see that we ought to be setting a trajectory in life for our children, so there's this famous verse that you all know. It's Proverbs twenty-two six, and it says, "Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it." Okay, train up a child in the way he should go. You know what's interesting about that verse? The verse, the word "train" is used three other times in the Old Testament, and it's used for the dedication of a house or a temple. Okay, so in other words, to dedicate something is to set it aside for a particular purpose. And so, really, what what the Book of Proverbs is telling us there is, you ought to set your your child aside for a certain way, in the way that they should go. And 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 if you if you chart that trajectory right and if they receive your words, you know what? They'll still be on that trajectory when when they're old, right? So so give them a way to go. I don't know if you know what I mean by trajectory. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not talking I think trajectory. I think this verse is like one of those big verses, you know, that that say, you know, give them like a way of life, a way of living. I'm going to preach my grandpa's funeral on Tuesday, and and my grandpa. Here, here's one of the things he did really well. He he, uh, he didn't do everything well. Okay, I'll, I'll just tell you that. And if he were there, he he were here, he would tell you that he didn't do everything well. He, he he didn't actually you know become really a spiritual guy till till he's old, you know. But let me tell you one thing he did really well. He set a trajectory in our my brothers and I's lives that said you can do things. Okay, that's a significant thing. Like, if I am in debt to my grandpa for that. My grandpa was the guy that taught me to do most anything hard. My grandpa taught me to do that. Um, I remember at age 12, 13, him saying, okay, you're, you're going to drive the truck to the end of the field, you know? And so I got in that big truck. We're loaded down, 20,000. He's explaining it to me, you know, you get in first. Okay, you're going to have to give it gas. You're going to have to give it a lot of gas. You know, you got a lot of weight back there. The, the ground's soft. Get it, you know, get, Where we go. You know, I'm going. First gear. Woo! you know got that great big wheel you know those old bobtails huge ship wheel on them you know and I'm going you know I'm looking over just barely looking you know and we get to the end of the field and I'm like okay should I stop now you know we're about to turn on the road grandpa my grandpa would do this every I could still see it in my head I, I love this he 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 did this grandpa should I stop that's what he would do you know you know I'm like, go go on the road you know you know okay, you know, I get on the road, you know, and there we are now, second gear, and then he taught me to do the high-low, and, you know, third low, third high, fourth low, fourth high, you know, hitting the high-low switch, and he's teaching me how to clutch and do that, and, you know, we're at, there we are, fourth high, 45 mile an hour, you know, you know, we're just cruising, and we're coming up to the hill. We had this hill before you got on the blacktop from the Wells Place, and it was a steep hill, and I'd seen my grandpa and grand and my dad do this, man, you had to have it to the floor to get up the other side, you know, you couldn't go down slow I mean it's all in you know because you had to hit that and it narrowed down at the bottom where it's washed out you hit it right in the middle and then as you're going up then you're going up the gears you know you know fourth low third high third low second you know you're you're going up and they could do it like just hitting a couple you know and so you know I'm I'm getting to the hill and I'm like slowing down I'm like you want me to stop right here you know like grandpa the hill you know you know All right, you know, there we go. You know, and I remember one of those first times like we hit that bottom like it felt like ninety, you know. (sighs) you know up the other side and man I go to hit I think I got fourth low and I go to hit third high and I missed one of those and it's grinding to work like whoa you know my grandpa reaches over he hits it and he's like hit the gadge, you know and then we got to go all through by the time we're going up it's like first high you know but we made it you know we get to the blacktop I'm sweating you know it's like hot it's summer it's harvest I'm wore out I just been through war about died grandpa should I stop here you know, I mean, like, that's just the way he lived, you know. It's like, you can do this. Like, that's what he instilled in us, this trajectory of life that you can do this. Now, I'm telling you, my brothers and I, we all have that. We just assume we can do it, and we got that from my grandpa. That's a trajectory of life. Train up a child in the way that she go. Now, I want you to ask dads, do you have anything in mind that you are calling your kids into? Are you, are you, are you calling them into a trajectory of life? Okay, let me, let me tip my hand. I'll, I'll tell you one of the trajectories that I have wanted my kids to come to fall into. In other words, this is not just like a, here's a command, this is like a way of life. I want my kids to be disciple makers. And so I've, I've taught them, I've, I've modeled for them, I've said it over and over again. I've urged them, I've pleaded with them, I've set up opportunities for them. And, and, and it, I can't tell you how what a blessing it is when I, when I, when I hear from my daughter in, in, in Washington, D.C., and she's got a group of ladies that she meets with on the hill in D.C. on certain mornings to read the Bible. And my daughter in Taiwan, man, that's, that's it. That's it. You see, it's like a trajectory. My kids won't tell the story about driving the truck, you know. But I hope they tell the story about, man, my dad taught us to meet with people and read the Bible together. That's good enough for me. Now, yours, I don't know, what is yours? But I think you got to have it. Does that make sense? like, you need to have it. You need to have, have dug into the Scripture and say, what kind of trajectory am I setting for my kids? Okay. Next, a father has an obligation to discipline his children, okay? There's a few kids in this, this room, and so I want you to thank me on the way out that I waited till 1206 to get to the second part of the sermon, Okay. So, you're welcome, kids. You know who loves you, okay? So, real quickly, discipline, okay? So, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about discipline, is a willingness to inflict temporary, appropriate discomfort on a child in order to keep them from a lifelong eternity of disaster, okay? So, here's what discipline is discipline is short, temporary pain or discomfort in order to keep you from a lifetime of disaster. And the book of Proverbs says, if you love your kids, you will do that, okay? You will do that for one particularly strong reason. Proverbs 22, 15 says this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. It's Proverbs 22, 15. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. In other words, foolishness is wrapped up and intertwined in the life of your little one, okay? You have to believe that. The Bible says that, all right? The Bible tells you that we have original sin, that we are broken, that we don't love the right things. And I don't care how sweet your little princess is, Proverbs twenty fifteen 15 is not wrong here. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And so what he's telling you is the rod of discipline drives it out. In other words, folly is deeply entrenched in the heart of a child. Do I, do I need to give an illustration of that to anybody? That, I mean, no, we know that. You were kids, huh? You got stories. Folly is bound up in your heart. And discipline is the thing that is the the pressure sufficient enough exerted on the life of a child to pry them away from folly, okay? Now, unless they get Jesus, unless they embrace wisdom, it won't won't pry them away for long. They'll snap back. But, but But the Bible is saying, you need to discipline them. If you don't discipline them, here, here's the strong statement of Proverbs, you don't love them, okay? Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Um, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline them. If you, if you spare discipline from, from your child, you don't love them. And I, and I know it's easier not to, right? Because discipline is painful, it's hard, it's excruciating, it takes work, but here's what Proverbs is saying. If you, if you don't do it, you don't love them. And, and that's, that's the good version. The bad version is you just don't believe. You just don't believe the Bible is right on this. Discipline is a way of saying to your son, son, I love you enough to do the hard work of trying to keep you from something horrible. Discipline is hopeful. Here's my favorite verse on discipline, I think. Discipline nineteen eighteen. Chapter 19, Proverbs 29, <laughs> 19, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. Uh, I'll just quit. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for there's hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Did you hear that? Discipline your son, there's hope. Man, that, that's a great way to look at discipline. It, this is why discipline should never be in anger. Because it's not like you're mad at them and you're trying to, you know, man, I'm going to take this out on you. No, it's like I see something scary in you and I love you. And I, I don't want that scary thing to consume you. And so I'm going to discipline you in hope, in hope, hope that this thing will be taken out of you and you will live and you will thrive. Nobody loves you like God. You believe that? I believe that. Man, Romans 5, 8 says, God has demonstrated. He's proven his love for you. And that while you were still a sinner, he sent his own son to die for you. Nobody loves you like God. And God disciplines his children. Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of reproof. For the Lord reproves whom he loves. As a father in the son, he delights. You hear that? When a father delights in his son, he disciplines his son. Why? Because He his hope, his hope that, that that holiness will, will yield Eternal blessings in, in Hebrews twelve seven It says, It's for discipline that you endure. God is treating you as sons. What son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline in which all have been partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we, we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. You hear that? Why has God, God put hard things in your life? Why does God put painful things in your life? Because you're his. And, and, and you got a pocket of pride. you got a pocket of selfishness. you got a pocket of laziness, of obst- obstinance. And so he puts something hard there to drive you to himself, to give you something better, to give you hope that you might live. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The Bible says if you love your kid, then then you won't spare the rod. Now, now let's talk about the rod. That's a big kind of controversial deal. I, I do not believe that the book of Proverbs is advocating that the only way to discipline your children is through spanking them. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, first of all, because... God is infinitely creative in the way that He disciplined His people. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Man, God brought them into exile. He delivered them to their enemies at times. He brought famine at times. He brought drought at times. He brought you know I mean there's this variety of things that God does to bring His people back and I, I think I honestly think you ought to be creative as well um I, I remember w- one time with my my girl, one of my girls, I could not get them to to put up their stuff, you know. And we'd had multiple times of various degrees of discipline, and they wouldn't do it, so I, I just got creative. I put a crime scene around it. I got all the family together. I said, nobody touches the stuff in the crime scene. Uh, it's mine. It belongs to, to the family right now. So nobody touches that. Nobody brings them out of there. And the only way for you, who it's your stuff, to get it out of there is here's a list of 20 things that you must accomplish within 48 hours. Okay? And there, there were things like you got to memorize this verse, You've got to bless one of our neighbors with an act of kindness. You've got to, you know, I mean, there were all kinds of, it's going to be a lot of work. And if it's not done in 48 hours, this stuff goes in the trash, and you replace it with your own money with another group of stuff, and it goes there, and then we start over again, you know? So it's almost like, how much work do you want to do? You can either go learn to put your stuff away, or we can do this, you know? I'm I'm a big fan of creativity, but you know what Proverbs, I believe, does teach indisputably is that spanking is a way. OK, it is a way like it talks about the rod. It talks about, you know, spanking your children. And and listen, I've, I've done it both ways. I've raised five kids uh, having that option on the table and, and using that. And then I've had one that that because of, of Department of Human Services and being in the foster care system. And by the way, I, I understand all those rules and I, and I do not dispute them. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. OK, I'm, I'm just saying that's the reality. I've, I've had the experience of not having that that ability and. And, and here's what I've found. There was more frustration. There was more anger. There was more pain, much more pain, you know, on both the parent and the child when that was not available when it was needed. I mean, that's just my own experience it is, is that, man, it was hard. It was hard when when that that was the thing that would have wrapped things up quickly, and we could have had a, a wonderful time of snuggling and watching some tunes on the, on, the, on the TV, but instead we've got this infinite battle that's raging, you know, that that we really can't stop, you know, without a long, prolonged period of agony, you know. That was my own experience. Now, I I totally agree that different kids, you got to know your kid, right? You got to know your kid. Different kids need different things, you know. We had, of our our two girls, were so different in that. Like, Addie, man, she, she honestly probably didn't ever need a spanking. She just would break so easily. Hannah, like we needed to find a, a way to inflict more pain is what we needed for Hannah because she's like, she's like, we call her, we tell her that she's actually Russian KGB planted, you know, like like one of those super soldiers, like kind of perfect. That that's the way she was. Yeah, my, there's a tradition in my family when you're a teenage girl, you run your you run your vehicle into my Yaris. It's just kind of a fun tradition that we have, you know, you wreck into the Yaris, and so uh, that's happened with all three girls that can drive. But the funny thing is, let me tell you about my two oldest girls, and you'll see—you'll see how you can you can see the temperament of a kid to see what they need. Okay, so my second girl, um, Addie, when she hit the Yaris, I came outside. And I just had come out for something, and she's wailing. I don't know how long she'd been there, but she's wailing on the ground. She is laying prostrate on the ground in the dirt, and she is sobbing, great tears, wailing. I immediately—I thought she had run over somebody. I thought some kid was dead in the street, you know. And like, I like, I'm like, what? I go over there. I pull. What happened? What happened? I hit the Yaris, you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine, you know. Your, your sister did too. It's okay, you know. So, you know, that's Addie, right? Like Hannah's temperament, like Hannah hits the Yaris, and she immediately barges in the house, stomps in and says, Avery and Emma were driving the Barbie Jeep across the street, and I was watching them, and that's why I hit the car, you know. It's like... Like, do you see different temperaments there, you know? Do you see how, like, one kid might need a different means of discipline than another, right? And so so you got to know your kid, but you got to know how to un- unloose that folly from their heart, right? It looks different in different kids, but it is your responsibility. It is your responsibility to do that. It is your privilege to do that. Got a few kids in here. Not too many. But those who are in here. Need to pay attention. Okay, here you go. Listen to your parents. So, so here's the deal, guys. Here's the, I, I wish somebody would have told me this. You know, to disregard your parents' word, to treat your parents' word as if it is silly, as if it, it is stupid. Really, it has nothing to do with you and your parents. What it has to do is you don't believe the Bible. You hear that, kids? I wish somebody had told me that. Like, whenever I treated my dad like he didn't know anything, basically I was I was looking at the God of the universe and saying, "You don't know what you're talking about. I'm ten. I got this deal figured out. You're a dummy, and I'm not. Okay? I don't want you to do that. Like, like, man, the Bible just speaks incredibly harshly to children. I, I always I, I love that. <laughs> what is it? Proverbs 30, I think it is, where it talks about eye that mocks a father and uh, the heart that scorns a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures of the field. Like, what's he saying there? Like, we laugh at that, but what's he saying? He's saying, you show a pattern in your life of not respecting your parents, you're gonna, you're gonna die a horrible death. You're gonna have a horrible eternity. I mean, that's, that's essentially what he's saying. Like, that's serious, you know? Like, like I, I, there's, a, there's a communication thing there that I think we gotta grab onto. This is not just hey, that's a funny verse, you know, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know, that's what I do to my kids, you know, they're like it's it's like this life and death thing that we should regard. Father, help us, God. Uh, I I just pray, Father, Lord. Here here's what we're asking you. We're asking you to take the the children and the youth of this body of believers. And God, we're asking you to impart to them a wisdom that will enable them to be all that you've called them to be, that will enable them to be disciple makers, to be kids who change the world, adults who, who grow up and do incredible, mighty, courageous, valiant, beautiful works for the sake of the kingdom of God. i I pray that you'd raise up parents in this, this body of believers who will who will take this responsibility with blood earnestness to plead with their children to live, to listen and live. Father, bring us to that. Teach us that. Help us with that. Do that in us. Father, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.